Welcome to Budget Watchdog, All Federal, the podcast dedicated to making sense of the budget, spending, and tax issues facing the nation. Cut through the partisan rhetoric and talking points for the facts about what's being talked about, bandied about, and pushed to Washington. Brought to you by Taxpayers for Common Sense. And now, the host of Budget Watchdog AF, TCS President Steve Ellis. Welcome to all American taxpayers seeking common sense. You've made it to the right place. For over 25 years, TCS, that's Taxpayers for Common Sense, has served as an independent, nonpartisan budget watchdog based in Washington, D.C. We believe in fiscal policy for America that is based on facts. We believe in transparency and accountability because no matter where you are on the political spectrum, no one wants to see their tax dollars wasted. Today is April 15th, which is normally tax day, but not this year. So we're going to dig into the Biden administration's first foray into the fiscal year 2022 budget. Joining me on the podcast with all the deets we've dug up are two of my colleagues, Frequent Flyer Senior Policy Analyst Josh Sewell. There is nowhere I'd rather be. And for the first time at Budget Watchdog AF, a former colleague that has recently returned to the TCS family, the real Oracle of Omaha, Senior Policy Analyst Sheila Karpf. Thanks for joining, Sheila. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. And to be clear, you never really leave the TCS family. I I don't mean that in a mafia type of way, just that budget bonds are tight. Speaking of tight, how about this budget? Kidding. This is supposed to be what is traditionally called the skinny budget of a new administration. If your measure is depth, well, yes, it's only 58 pages instead of the five volume, thousands of pages long tomes of normal budgets. And by breadth, It's just discretionary spending, no mandatory or revenue proposals, and just a couple of tables at the end. But after a decade of budget caps and mock fiscal discipline in President Trump's budget requests, this one really lets the belt out a few or a lot of notches. So what's the tail of the tape? Increases across the board. Every cabinet department sees a percentage increase in budget authority over fiscal year 2021. And only defense and homeland security get less than 5% increases. And just keep in mind, even then, a 1.6% increase in defense spending is equal to $11.6 billion, which is a bigger dollar increase than every cabinet department and agency except education and health and human services. But Josh, help the budget watchdog AF audience with details on what these increases amount to. Overall, this budget calls for a nearly 8.5% increase. That'd be $118 billion. So this would bring the discretionary side of the budget just north of $1.5 trillion. It's a big jump for certain agencies. Education up 40%. Commerce, 28%. Health and Human Services, EPA, and the National Science Foundation, all around 20% or more. And that's just compared to last fiscal year. So those facing the largest cuts, nobody. Nobody? Really? Well, not in real life. So the Army Corps of Engineers has a 13% cut on paper, but just like nobody puts baby in the corner, Congress never cuts the core. Every single year, both Obama and Trump budgets had a cut. And every single year, Congress always increased spending. It's one of those Washington norms that always endures. Now, let's remember, every presidential budget request is aspirational. It's just one step in a negotiation. Okay, so let's dig into some of those aspirations. Sheila, you've gone over the package. Brief our audience on the divergences with recent budgets. For instance, 
taxpayers for common sense has declared the Department of Energy budget bloated. That's not good for taxpayers. No, Steve, it's not. And President Biden's discretionary budget has proposed $46 billion for the Department of Energy, which is an increase of about $4 billion over the current fiscal year, which is sort of in line with most of the agencies. And the additional funds seem to be targeted a lot at clean energy, climate, research and development, specifically for technologies like advanced nuclear, which we work on a lot, and electric vehicles, actually a ton of money for electric vehicles. Unfortunately, the trade-offs for the 10% increase are nowhere to be found. And the recent spending growth, without mentioning any corresponding cuts, raises a lot of red flags for us and red ink. If you look at the last two fiscal years, funding has increased about $10 billion, about 30%, which makes for a very unexpected Trump and Biden tax team. On fossil energy, Biden has proposed to revitalize and sink even more cash into the DOE office uh, for fossil energy, and this could include carbon capture and storage. The taxpayers have already sunk so much money into CCS technology, and many of these projects have failed. And if we just keep reinfusing this office and similar ones with a lot of cash, this just may be another costly calamity for taxpayers. A costly calamity for taxpayers. Yikes. So, Sheila, Thanks for all of that. Now, how about the story over at the Department of Interior? What does President Biden's skinny budget tell us about what's going on over there? Well, Steve, what a difference a year makes. The administration's FY22 request for the Department of Interior is about $17 billion, about a $2 billion increase or 16% increase from the current fiscal year. The administration says that a lot of the increased funding would be spent on orphan oil and gas wells, which we work on a lot in abandoned mines, and similar to the U.S. Department of Ag budget as well, increased wildfire funding. As we anticipated, there's a dramatic shift from the last administration's focus, the Trump administration, on fossil fuels toward President Biden's clean energy, climate, and equity-focused budget priorities within the Department of Interior and others as well. Okay. Earlier, you mentioned clean energy priorities. I know because I not just read the budget, but also our own analysis, that this document mentions the word climate 146 times. That's 2.5 times per page. So Josh, Sheila, I'll throw this out to both of you. What's the deal with climate? Well, first off, climate change is a real, credible, costly challenge. And the administration acknowledges that. But let's be clear. We're not cynics. We are seasoned. Huge pots of money or whole new agencies like an advanced research projects agency focused on climate, which is in this proposal, are not the answer. That's too simple. Yeah, you're right, Josh. We've actually had a lot of fun trying to come up with new alphabet letters for new ARPA agencies. But Congress and the administration have proposed to throw a lot more money at clean energy and climate priorities. But we know that this doesn't always equal results. The president aims to achieve net zero emissions by 2050, and he may announce some more specific priorities next week as well. And this would happen through a new clean electricity standard potentially and various clean energy investments. But we'll have to read the upcoming detailed budget to actually see if his wishes could come true. Because goals like folding climate impacts into disaster planning and increasing renewable energy subsidies, while that may sound great on paper, we know this always hasn't been good for taxpayers or the climate in the past. The last thing we need is any more U.S. Department of Agriculture funding toward more special interests like corn ethanol that go behind Congress's back. Got it. 
You mentioned about next week and uh, the Biden administration. Um, so listener note, next week is Earth Day, and with it comes President Biden's much-heralded climate summit. Be sure to tune in then for a special climate-focused Budget Watchdog AF. We will be talking about all of that and our Taxpayer Climate Accountability Campaign. You don't want to miss it. All right. Our regular listeners know that we've focused in recent weeks on defense spending with our senior policy analyst, Wendy Jordan. What's the skinny on the DOD budget request, Josh? $715 billion in spending, which is a little more than $10 billion more than last year. But I think most importantly, this budget would jettison the off-budget account called Overseas Contingency Operations, or OCO. So now this expected war spending that we know we're going to spend is going to be on budget instead of in this fantasy off-budget account that doesn't count towards spending accounts or any other limits. Eliminating OCO is a good reform, but some people are already spinning this as gutting the Pentagon because the $10 billion or so does not quite keep up with inflation. But again, it's still $715 billion and about half of the discretionary budget. I know at certain times that the height of OCO, we were starting to compare it to other agencies and departments in the federal budget. If it was its own separate department, it would have been the third largest or the fifth largest. So this is a significant reform and something that should be cheered by taxpayers. But looking further at the budget, another department is clearly in the budget doghouse, Josh, and that's the Department of Homeland Security. What happened to DHS? Well, here's another area where DHS only receives $100 million more than it received last year. So that's a mere 0.2% increase. Now, disaster relief, cybersecurity, some domestic terrorism focus, all those areas get a boost. What we don't have details on is some of the border security issues. So Customs and Border Protection, ICE, and those things. We're going to have to wait till the full budget comes out to know what's really going on there. And the Coast Guard, Josh, and the Coast Guard. Can never forget the Coast Guard. So talk to me about the IRS, Josh. This is something that we've been looking at. This budget would boost IRS spending by about 10%, and it would be focused on improved customer service, creating new online tools, and enforcement, but only focused on high income and corporate filings. Now, both these places are areas that need reforms, and we brought this up in our weekly wastebasket, I believe it was four weeks ago. And so this is a, these are some very important reforms. Well, that's a good point, Josh. And, and listeners, don't forget to subscribe if you aren't already to our weekly wastebasket. You could do that right on our website, taxpayer.net. And, you know, as you talk about the IRS, Josh, I mean, it really brings home to me with a voluntary compliance tax system, it is critical that taxpayers have faith that everyone is contributing. No one wants to feel like a sucker. Budget Watchdog AF listeners know that we can't have Josh on the show without talking about agriculture. So let's go there to finish it out. Mr. Sewell. What's going on at USDA? Do we see some budget hope? And Sheila, please feel free to jump into. So almost $28 billion for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And that includes $3.8 billion, 16% overall increase. Now, overall, there are greater calls for conservation spending and a climate focus at USDA. These are good moves. However, these routinely get muscled out of the room by big ag and commodity crop subsidies. Again, we're not cynics, we're seasoned. So USDA will spend $50 billion or so just on pandemic response. That's not even mentioning the $28 billion we've spent over the last two years recovering from the Trump trade war and also any of the quote unquote normal farm bill subsidies that were on the books before COVID happened. We're gonna know exactly what the administration wants to do or not do in these areas when the full budget comes out. Because again, most of the spending in USDA is on the mandatory side of the ledger. And as you mentioned, we're talking about near unprecedented 
levels of subsidies that have been going out the door over the last few years. Some of that money is going to farmers who I know here in the heartland. Hopefully, yes, Steve, we will have more hope when it comes to diving into some of the details and new priorities in the new administration. And as we move into a farm bill coming up soon and lots of other policy priorities and proposals being thrown our way. Great. All right, podcast listeners, here comes the skinny budget dismount, and we'll try to stick the landing and end on a positive note. While Taxpayers for Common Sense doesn't usually agree with the Department of Agriculture on spending decisions, and Sheila and Josh know this all too well, this budget calls for more funding for monitoring, measurement, and verification in conservation programs. Greenhouse gas reduction and soil carbon sequestration is something that we have recommended in the past. So, yay! But as we know all too well, Congress has the final say on discretionary spending. So stay tuned to see if anything we've talked about today actually pans out. So there you have it for now. Senior Policy Analyst Sheila Karpf and Josh Sewell, thanks for the great work and all your insights on this episode of Budget Watchdog AF. Coming up next time, climate, climate, climate. Don't miss our special episode on the Climate Summit and TCS's Taxpayer Climate Accountability Campaign. Thanks for listening to Budget Watchdog AF. I hope you'll subscribe and share this episode with friends and colleagues. We're always seeking your input, suggestions, questions, and help. So send your emails directly to me, president at taxpayer.net. As always, the Taxpayers for Common Sense team is laser focused on reading the bills, highlighting wasteful programs that poorly spend our money, and shifting long-term risk to taxpayers. Taxpayers.